Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Fantastic Minute, your favorite podcast. That's right. I've already declared it for you. Your favorite podcast where we talk about Wes Anderson's Fantastic Mr. Fox one minute at a time. I'm Tyler Boudreau. And I'm Condra Boudreau. And we're here to talk about minute three of the film Fantastic Mr. Fox. The minute starts with Felicity Fox walking up the hill to meet with Mr. Fox, and it ends with Mr. Fox complimenting Mrs. Fox, or about to compliment her. He says, you're practically... But we get cut off. So leaving another leave you in suspense moment. We're already three minutes in, and we've had two suspense minutes already. So much suspense, really. This is a thrilling movie. You should. It's like Silence of the Lambs in that way. Yes. You mm. can't you can't take your eyes off of it. Absolutely. Um, a lot of characterization in this minute. A lot of dialogue. Mm-hmm. But we really learn a lot. First of all, they're still talking about what the doctors told Felicity Fox. He says nothing, and Mr. Fox goes on to presume exactly what he said to her. Although, she does get some pills, so that's that's not nothing. Yeah. But it's also maybe not as bad as what she thought. Well, it's interesting, because in the scene, in the dialogue directly after this, um, Mr. Fox asks if she wants to take the shortcut or the scenic route. She doesn't say where they're, he doesn't say where they're going, so it's kind of just an interesting dichotomy. Um, Felicity suggests they take the shortcut, but Mr. Fox kind of insists that they take the scenic route, so she agrees, and then he turns around and says that the scenic route's actually slightly quicker. So what I find interesting in this minute is that they both lie to each other. I actually made a note that Mr. Fox is actually quite manipulative, and it's actually kind of bothersome for me, between the nothing comment and, like, the presumptiveness, and then the scenic route, and then even in, uh, we haven't quite, or we're there, um, the decision whether to take the path closer to the squabs, or the one that's a little safer, as Felicity puts it. Well, yes, be careful not to criticize a character on their initial flaw that they learned to grow out of. But, I mean, that is, if we're going to find what his flaw is, it is this manipulative nature of him. I I don't think it's that he's manipulative. I think it's that he's bold and presumptuous and arrogant. I think he's, like, he is, he's getting what he wants, which is at the basis of manipulation. He's, He's... forcing the situation to do what he wants. Steal a squab to... Take the scenic route. Take the scenic route. It's it's very much he's getting what he's want. he wants. Whether... Well, it, I mean, it's a degree... It's not necessarily a degree of manipulation, but there's, there's manipulation going on there. Well, it's because he's this egotistical person. He's... He sees himself as the fantastic Mr. Fox. He knows that he's always right, and he should always get his way. Then why is he asking? <laughs> because I don't know. Because he loves Felicity. <laughs> and he, he does give a caring moment. I was like manipulative but caring question mark. He does give that nice little flower and they walk a little closer together after he runs out ahead of her. But it's still it's still a little like it's a good relationship, but it's also there's something to give pause and be like, is she okay? Well, it's also, she she lies to him, too, because he asks her what the doctor says. She says nothing. We find out in the later minute, sorry to give it away, that she's pregnant. So, that's what, what the doctor told her. <laughs> spoiler! It's not a big spoiler. It, it gets resolved pretty quickly. I mean, it's about to be revealed in the next second. Um, just I, the minute cut off. Yeah. Um, I 
I see what you're saying, but also there is, you have to acknowledge the manipulation. Well, yes, I I do acknowledge it, but I think what's interesting is the ways they manipulate each other. Felicity is kind of this laid-back person. She kind of is amused by his ramblings and quick quick mouth. Mm -hmm. And she knows that he's presumptuous, which is why she doesn't want to go right out and tell him that she's pregnant, because she knows that he'll make a big deal out of it. Mm-hmm. Whereas Mr. Fox's lie is a little smaller in that he says, oh, the city group's faster anyway. But then the squab putting them... He, she is obviously uncomfortable, and you see this very interesting shot where it's face front, she's looking at him um, as the camera, and... She kind of shifts her feet. She's obviously uncomfortable. Her even her just like her facial expression is different because in that other face-on shot where she popped her hip, she was a lot more calm, cool, and collected and very poised. And this one, there's some obvious discomfort. And there's there's this difference in this one minute, and you you kind of get to see this. Is he is he chewing too much for, like, is he pushing her too much? Well, again, with the characterization, we see that Mr. Fox is really bold. He wants to take the scenic route. He wants to go the more risky route to kill the squabs. And we see that Felicity is more conservative, more safe. She wants to take the shortcut because it's faster. She wants to take the route to get the swabs that will be more safe, which obviously, we'll see how that turns out. Yeah. But it's interesting to see their characters laid out so quickly and so definitively. You see their relationship, too, where it seems a lot of the time she's kind of exasperated going along with it, just kind of putting up with him for a reason that's not necessarily super clear right now. And I don't know if it's ever super developed. Like, it's never super clear throughout the entire thing, but there's obvious care. Like, she cares about him. It just... Well, how I think much it's, of it is... I think it's interesting is that the con a constant factor of this film is that they love each other. Mm. The, it's not like a romantic comedy where they they get in a minor fight and then they break up and then get back together. Throughout this entire film, they love each other. Even if they fight, they fight because they care for each other so deeply. Mm-hmm. I also, to completely move off, off this, <laughs> um, Burke is the... Farmer that owns Is it Berg or Burke? Burke. Okay. B-E-R-K. At least that's what I read. Maybe I'm misremembering now, but my note says Burke. Which... Is Hiccup there? I I was just about to make a (laughs) How to Train Your Dragon joke, but... um, So we get another alliterative farmer's name, which is pretty funny. Well, and so they're all pretty English names, too, I suppose. Obviously, Roald Dahl was an English writer. Mm Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. So if your name starts with a B and you are English, you are a farmer, everyone. Sorry about that, all of your... I can't think of any names that start with B and are English other than Bean, but... Fuller? I have no idea. Um, Okay, then. Yeah. Um, It is Burke. Burke. I've just looked back. Yes, it is Burke. But this is the first farm we see physically. But there's it some is, sheep in the background. There's some sheep in the background. You've got a very dynamic set of windmills and turbines and I really like that shot. Things. I really like that shot where we zoom it. We're kind of 
zoom in on the farm, and then we zoom back out, and we see Mr. and Mrs. Fox behind the fence, and then we get that rack shot from the focus on the farm to the focus on the two foxes, and it really, I don't know, it's just a fun shot. It is. I like a good rack shot. I think what I was going to finish, uh, what I was going to say was... This is the first farm we physically see, but it is not one of the three listed in the poem that we've already been introduced to. So it's adding this different dimension of like, all right, who's this person? Are they are they going to matter? They haven't come up in the poem yet, but maybe they're a surprise, like, twist of events that wasn't mentioned in the book kind of yeah. thing. But it's not. Yeah, we never see Farmer Burke. No. The, the only thing we get is at the end, there are, and when they're in the supermarket, there are squab giblets. That's so we get mentions of squabs again. I don't even know what a squab is. I suppose it's like a chicken. Pigeon. A pigeon? A pigeon, pigeon. yes. I got my blank in birds Correct. mixed up. Correct. Uh, according to Mr. Fox, it is like a pigeon, which I think is a great, not super clunky way, although it's kind of clunky way, to describe what a squab is for those that have never interacted with one because I definitely don't think they are a common bird. And it's funny that um, Felicity asks Mr. Fox, what is a squab? And he answers. You, you really get that sense that like maybe he's kind of a know-it-all. Maybe it's a running joke that they just are like, squab is a silly name and we're just going to make fun of it all the time. Yeah. But it's interesting that when she doesn't know something, she asks him. Yes. So That's reassuring. They, yeah. They definitely have some trust. Yes. So... In the beginning of the minute, Mr. Fox asks if they should take the scenic route or the shortcut, and then at the end of the minute, he asks which way they should get try to catch the squabs. Is that repetition of him giving the two options and then forcing the second option, is that too forced for you? Does it... It just doesn't sit with me right. I think I'm just having problems with... I, 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 meant, I meant the repetition of the him oh. giving two choices in terms of, like, I the mean, writing of the film. I think it gives a greater expanse of the world that we are currently in without being clunky or excessively exposition. I think it balances it pretty well. Yeah, speaking of excessive exposition, Mr. Fox has the sort of clunky line where he talks about he's been stealing birds for a living since before he could walk. But it's supposed to be somehow reassuring to Felicity as she sits there unnerved and kind of squeamish. Yes. And it's weird. Obviously, we've talked about George Clooney compared him to Danny Ocean, but he's this kind of career thief. Mm -hmm. Isn't that a strange thing for someone to fall in love with? I, I don't know if we know enough about Felicity's background to necessarily say... Whether it's her specifically, if it's the fox type in general, we're going to meet other animals later that are within very specific uh, careers. But I don't know if it's maybe the fox type that they're all kind of on the thieve uh, crookery. Yeah, well, or... in this animal economy, like, is stealing chickens, well, one... From not... So they're not... He's not stealing from a animals, though. He's stealing from farmers. Well, so maybe are, he's encouraging the market system more. Why are only rodents sentient? They're not all rodents. Hey, weasels, badgers... Fo or Rabbit? Fo foxes, fox. foxes aren't rodents, but... No. Small mammals, because the birds that they kill, obviously... That is true. ...don't interact with them. That is so true. So why are... We have a gopher, a beaver... Uh, I think awesome. a possum. I love Kylie. <laughs> um, Not there yet. 
I speculate it's because it kind of fits in with that fall theme that we were talking about. These are very fall-time farm-esque without being directly farm animals. They are animals you associate with a farm or with agrarian culture. Um, I think that's probably why. Also, I think it's a a very... English set of animals. Sure, yeah. Um, especially like the badger, who we <laughs> so lovingly see in another great uh, British authors series. To what could she be referring? Hmm. Um, it's Narnia, by the way. Definitely <laughs> Narnia. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I think that these animals, too, are less commonly used. In, I would say, maybe a, not a fox, it's definitely but... rare to have a fox main character. Absolutely. Because foxes are kind of antagonistic by nature. And Well, I think they were put in an antagonist role through some very poignant stories. Well, they're, um, they're predators by nature. So. Yes. Um, so the grim fairy tales, um, the Aesop's fable, even, they've been given this connotation that Roldal... Waldall um, <laughs> kind of pushes against saying maybe Fox are tricky and wily for different reasons. Yeah, but I like the fact that they stick with the tricky and wily, but they make it a good, like, not necessarily a good characteristic, because that's kind of what he needs to grow out of, but they make it the flaw. They make it his defining characteristic, which I think is good. Hubris. His hubris. Yes, this is very Shakespearean. <laughs> he kind of is, though. He has this air to him that he is definitely refined and poised. Even when he was eating the apple and, like, threw it over his shoulder, it was this very casual but elegant move. Yeah, back to that George Clooney thing. Like, who better to perform this character who's arrogant and selfish, but also, like, very lovable and, like, you grow to like him instantly because he's this clever, fun character. Mm-hmm. But you can also see he has this flaw. Yes, definitely. I think that goes back to what we were saying the last episode with how well cast this was and how Wes Anderson definitely, how much hand he had in this um, casting and not necessarily going with his stock actors, yeah, but picking someone who fit the role very, very well. Yeah, because obviously you could have had Owen Wilson be Mr. Fox. Oh, I couldn't imagine that at all, though. It well, just... no, you just because Owen Wilson does um, Lightning McQueen and Cars. He's kind of already done this cocky character. But it doesn't fit with that smoothness that is Mr. Fox. You're right. You're right. Although I think Owen Wilson like... can be smooth. It's always smooth in a very odd way, though. Yeah. I, th- I think... There might have been a few other actors that could have pulled this voice, but George Clooney is ideal because oh, he has this past of playing this kind of wily trickster and being smooth and poised and so so classy. Oh, certainly, <laughs> and it's kind of always it's it's kind of a defining role, not like in terms of popularity, but like in terms of the character he's always playing. He's always playing this cocky person who needs to learn to take, be thankful for what he has. You'd think, after all these roles, George Clooney would know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it seems it ain't broke. Ah, that is, yeah. Something that else that I want to kind of go back to with the scenery 
again, it's very symmetrical, very centered. Yeah, very um, Wes Anderson. It's interesting when they're moving off the hill, the scene is a little calmer in the background, but when they get to the farm, there's a lot of movement, and then when they turn, re- like, when you see them face on, there's movement in the background from these sheep that are very blurry, and it took me a second to realize they were there. Yeah. And um, it's really interesting for someone who was, who's its first go-round at making an animated feature to really be so good at it in terms of, like, having things in the background and having these fully established shots where the entire screen is full of something. Mm-hmm. It It's not visually boring. It's not someone just trying to focus you on one thing that sometimes first-time animators have this trouble with that they want to focus so much on the action that they forget about the background and that can hurt yeah. the shots just as much as anything. And it's interesting for Wes Anderson because he he is already so meticulous with his Frames that everything needs to be lined up so perfectly, and I almost imagine it might have been easier for him to do something in an animated style, especially a stop motion style when you literally have control over every little detail. Yeah, and I'm going back too far, but in minute two, we saw when Felicity Fox was walking up the hill, there were literally four like electrical towers on either side of her. Mm-hmm. Everything is perfectly symmetrical. Although I will say the background of Burke's farm is a lot more dynamic in the amount of windmills and little yeah. spinny things that there's more of them. They're not quite perfectly symmetrical, but there's this sense of balance. Yeah. Alright, that's kind of all I've got for minute three. And you you have anything else? I talked about oh no, I want to talk about one more thing really quick. Okay. One more thing. Meryl, sorry, Felicity Fox's. <laughs> Meryl Fox. Felicity Fox's face when she's super uncomfortable and doesn't want to take this more dangerous route. Yeah. I don't know if it's because it's the way it's a head on shot, it's stop motion, what have you. But her face looks very young. It's a lot less poised and elegant. And there's something about. I, I don't know if it's the way the stop motion stop motion was done, if it's the way the head that particular head was made, but there's something about that face that, as we'll meet her um, their son in a few minutes, very a few much years. a few well a few <laughs> years, but uh, a few minutes in our in our terms, looks a lot like him. And going back and looking at it, I'm like, wow, that looks like it. Ash. Well, I think there's something to be said about. All of the imperfections in the animation of this mm-hmm. film. Yes. Like you said, like a, a straight-on, head-on shot looks different for that character from a, a wide shot. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the mouths moving don't really sync up with the voice acting that much. But it's still so perfect for this kind of feel and style of <laughs> the film. Like, it's taking place in the 60s or 70s when an animation wouldn't be lined up perfect. Mm-hmm. And it just makes it makes so much sense. You can almost forgive it or see it as a positive nature for the film. Absolutely. I just that that one shot in particular was like, wow, that looks like Ash and she looks so young when you see her age in a few years and it, she's yeah. definitely a lot younger in that moment. Yeah. Whereas that, whereas Mr. Fox kinda looks the same. Yeah. That's it for me. Yeah, so we're just we're waiting to find out what Mr. Fox is going to compliment her with. You're practically something. Hopefully pra- hopefully it's good. Practically fuming. I know. You could 
you know, I'd love to hear some thoughts on this. You can always tweet at us. <laughs> It'd be a good time. Um, yeah, you can tweet at us at I'm at Tyler Booty. That's T Y L E R B O U D Y. And I am at Amateur Nerd Forty Two. Um, that is with a U. And if you want to talk to us about Fantastic Mr. Fox or any other, yell at us for liking Meryl Streep if you think she's overrated. Or George Clooney, for that matter. Or Wes Anderson, for that matter. Or stop motion, because I will talk about stop motion all day. It's one of my favorite things on this planet. Um, But, yeah, thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I've been Tyler Boudreaux. And I am Condra Boudreaux. This has been Fantastic Minute. I hope you have a fantastic day. Goodbye.